and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 10, 1. In embracing the one with your soul, can you never forsake the Tao? In controlling your vital force to achieve gentleness, can you become like the newborn child? In cleansing and purifying your mystic vision, can you strive after perfection? In loving the people and governing the kingdom, can you rule without interference? In opening and shutting the gate of heaven, can you play the part of the female? In comprehending all knowledge, can you renounce the mind? To give birth, to nourish, to give birth without taking possession, to act without appropriation, to be chief among people without managing them. This is the mystic virtue. That's verse 10 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Lin Yutang. Next, let's break it down. This verse has three parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. Part one seems to say that when the spirit is in order, the mind and body follow. Part two says that using our yin energy or our female energy to know unity and allow life to flow is the way of the Tao. And part three talks about getting comfortable with the feeling of oneness. So let's look at part one real quick. In embracing the one with your soul, can you never forsake the Tao? And in controlling your vital force, can you become like the newborn child? In cleansing and purifying your mystic vision, can you strive after perfection? I think those are all ways to kind of say, look, get 
if you, if you can get your spirit in order, then everything else kind of falls into place. And my main clue was when Lao Tzu writes, in controlling your vital force to achieve gentleness, can you become like the newborn child? Other translations kind of talk about the breath. They kind of talk about the body and getting that like, basically, if I can make sure that, that I'm in a good place, then my health usually follows. And there's actually a footnote down here where it says the babe is a symbol of innocence or the baby, the newborn child, a common imagery also found in Shuang Tzu. Sometimes the imagery of the newborn calf is used. Okay. So that's part one. Um, and then now let's look at part two and part two says in loving the people and governing the kingdom, can you rule without interference in opening and shutting the gate of heaven, can you play the part of the female and can you renounce the mind? I feel like part two is all kind of getting at using our yin energy to know unity and allow life to flow. So I'll talk a little bit more in the experience section about the shutting and opening the gates of heaven and what that actually means. It's a very simple thing, actually. It, it basically means allowing life to happen. <laughs> and then, you know, there's yang energy, which is the masculine form of energy. And then there's the yin energy, which is the feminine form. And the yin energy is more um, allowing things to just occur and to fall into place rather than the yang, which is, you know, a- applying energy to, to make things actually happen. So part two is kind of talking about that, that yin energy. Okay, so part three kind of ties it all together. And Lao Tzu is telling us, look, to give birth without taking possession, to act without appropriation. Those are, that's what we want to do. And I feel like what we're doing here is he's inviting us to get comfortable with this feeling of oneness. Because if I'm one with something, I can't really possess it, can I? I can't really appropriate anything if, if I'm one with it. Uh, it's not subject to my will. So that's kind of what I, you know, I feel like the oneness part is, is what we really want to get at. Okay. So to wrap that up, let's remember that verse 10 has three parts to it. Part one talks about when the spirit is in order, the mind and the body follow. Part two says, well, why don't you use your yin energy to know unity and allow life to flow? And then part three says, well, look, if you want to do the Tao, let's go ahead and start getting comfortable with the feeling of oneness. Okay, so let's go ahead and let's put that back together. I'll read verse 10 one more time. In embracing the one with your soul, can you never forsake the Tao? And controlling your vital force to achieve gentleness, can you become like the newborn child? In cleansing and purifying your mystic vision, can you strive after perfection? In loving the people and governing the kingdom, can you rule without interference? In opening and shutting the gate of heaven, can you play the part of the female? In comprehending all knowledge, can you renounce the mind? To give birth, to nourish, to give birth without taking possession, to act without appropriation, to be chief among people without managing them, 
This is The Mystic Virtue. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering one. There are three of them. Uh, Number one is putting the spirit in alignment and how the mind and body will follow. Two is practicing detachment. And three is an idea of merging duality that we kind of talked about in verse two and becoming one. Put the spirit in alignment and the mind and body follow. There are a few ways we can look at this first part of verse 10. On the surface, Lao Tzu seems to be saying that embracing the one or in being whole, we can't help but never forsake the Tao, become like a newborn child, and strive after perfection. Cool. But how and what do these things mean for me in 2019, and how do I start looking for ways to practice embracing the one? Well, first, let's take a look at what that becoming like the newborn child means. The footnote in the Lin Yutang translation we talked about a little earlier says that becoming like the babe is a symbol of innocence. So in being whole, a natural byproduct is that I'll stay in harmony with the Tao and I'll naturally incline toward innocence and strive after perfection. Okay, now I feel like we're getting somewhere, but I'm still left with the whole practice thing. Like, great, I understand, but I also know the Tao just can't be talked about. (laughs) Verse 1 tells me that. So how do I think about this so I can put it into practice? Well, I think the main takeaway for this first part is that if I put my spirit in alignment with the Tao first, the rest of the things will follow. Let's take a look at how this concept shows up in real life. I'm quite sure that you have had good days and bad days before. For me, the good days are when things just fall into place. I'm relaxed and I finish my day with a pervasive sense of (laughs) well-being. Those are awesome. Have you ever noticed that when you're in flow, when things are good, they kind of gather momentum? It's easier to see the positive in situations then. And then undeniably positive things start happening as well. But then there are the bad days, those days when things start out weird and just progress into this downward spiral of grossness and undesirable things happen. And by the end of the day, I'm tired and angry with how things went. Well, let's look at the momentum thing again. When things do go wrong, don't they keep going wrong? They too seem to gather momentum. What if I told you that we are the ones creating this momentum? What if I said that we can create our own positivity or negativity, and then we can reinforce this creation by acknowledging it when it shows up in our lives and using it to define our reality for that day? In other words, when we're having a good day, we actually verbalize, yeah, it's been a really good day. Or the opposite, I'm having the worst day ever. What we're doing in these cases is creating our experiences and then reinforcing our interpretation of them. So let's look at this idea of mind and body following the spirit. When I start out a day in good spirits, as they say, either consciously or unconsciously, I create oneness or harmony with the Tao and cool things start happening. That's the spirit part. When I actually notice the cool things happening, I'm looking at external things, processing them, and then assigning them a judgment of sorts. 
And then I become optimistic. That's the mindset that follows once I start noticing that which I've started to bring in my life for that day. Throughout the day, I continually reinforce this perception by stating that my day is going well, either unconsciously or when asked by another person. Then, at the end of the day, I reflect back and realize that I have this sense of well-being and I feel a little lighter, maybe that good kind of tired. Those feelings... Those are my body's physical response to my mindset from the day's events. So, I begin with harmony with the Tao. Then my mindset becomes optimistic, and I look for ways to continually reinforce that perception. Then, I feel good. And the opposite holds true as well. I start out in discord with the Tao. Then my mindset becomes pessimistic, and I look for ways to continually reinforce that perception. Then, I feel tired and hopeless. I feel like this is just a natural law that our humanness follows. Like, this is the no emotion, nuts and bolts, how things work aspect of the union of our spirit, mind, and body. Just like if you put gasoline in an engine, mix it with air, and create a spark, it'll result in combustion, which in turn results in a mechanical motion up and down, in the case of an automobile, and that motion is converted into forward or backward motion. (laughs) So it's really as easy as practicing staying in harmony with the Tao. (laughs) But of course, that's a challenge for those of us that have spent years and years fostering this false sense of separation we have that I like to call the ego. The ego can be a tricky thing since we've had a lot of practice creating it, hiding it, and giving into it. So it would make sense that it would seem challenging to dissolve it. The Tao Te Ching is not the only book that shows us how to do this, by the way. The Bhagavad Gita shows us, the the sutras show us, the Quran shows us, the Bible shows us, and the Torah shows us. All of them, in their own way, always come back to the central message, love and humility and the lifetime practice thereof. There are a couple things, though, that we can do today as we continue exploring this verse, and one of those things is the topic of detachment. The main takeaway from this part of my experience is that if I can put my spirit in alignment with the Tao, then my mind follows and my body follows that. The whole trick is making sure that my spirit is aligned. So let's get into practicing detachment as one of the ways that I can put my spirit in alignment with the Tao. Practicing detachment. Ruling without interference, playing the part of the female, and renouncing the mind. Those are the gifts we receive when we embrace the one and are in harmony with the Tao. I'd like to clarify these things first. Ruling without interference seems to indicate what we refer to now as servant leadership. Asking what I can do for my organization instead of asking my organization what it can do for me. The next thing is playing the part of the female. I looked this up in at least six translations to get a feel for what it means because we're also talking about opening and shutting heaven's gates. Lao Tzu is indicating the yin energy here, allowing things to unfold as they are meant to. In other words, allowing divine order to unfold in divine timing. 
The opening and closing of heaven's gates simply means accepting what is when it occurs without judgment. This can mean physical events and it can mean our own experiences with the Tao. Sometimes we have epiphanies and sometimes we rest. Things like that. Finally, the question of renouncing the mind comes up. Is Lao Tzu telling me I must become a simpleton? No. We're humans and we have brains and our brains are very capable. What this means is to continue using them, but not place so much importance on ourselves because we have them. Our brains are there to use, of course, but they're not necessarily there to revere. Revering our brains are basically like worshiping the car's engine just for doing its job, doing what it was fashioned to do. In the same manner, Lao Tzu tells us that we should be careful not to place too much emphasis on our cognitive and intellectual capacities. If we take a step back from all this, we can realize that Lao Tzu is urging us to practice detaching from things. In leadership, I can provide what is needed and observe the outcome rather than demanding the outcome. In exercising my yin or female energy, I can practice allowing things to manifest and observing them rather than using yang energy and making them happen. And in problem solving, professional settings, and other times when I need to think and plan, I can use my brain just like a power tool and put it away when the work is complete. I don't have to get all pensive or in spiritual mode every time I want to practice detachment though. I can practice anytime I want, and it's actually kind of fun to do once in a while. So let's do a little thought exercise. Look around you for a moment and acknowledge what you see. Is it another car on the road, or is it the desk that you're sitting at? Well, how about the phone that we all use? All right, now take a quick moment to notice how you feel about the thing you're observing. Is the other car in your way? Is the desk something you're fond of, or is it something you don't like? And the phone? Does it mean more work, or does it mean enjoyment and connection with others? Now, I'd like you to consider that you're the one placing meaning on these objects. For just a moment, ask yourself if you can see those things just as they are, as objects. Notice how when you do this, you can separate out your feelings about those things, and they sort of just lose their power, don't they? It turns out that we can practice detachment in all sorts of ways. Sometimes I like to think about sentimental objects and try detaching from them. Honestly, I'm not at a point where I want to start giving them away, but I can at least look at them and see them for what they are, just things. Once I get practiced in detaching from objects, I can start detaching from my thoughts and feelings. And this is really powerful because remember in the previous section, we talked about setting our spirits in harmony with the Tao. If I find at some point that my day is going sideways, I can begin detaching from my feelings and then my thoughts and then move back into harmony with the Tao, which can actually reset my day. If we can detach from our thoughts or feelings, we are in a space where we're able to lead without inserting ego. We're able to allow the Tao to happen without resisting what is, and we can skillfully use our brains without having to get caught up in worshiping them. So at this point, I'm kind of left asking, well, what good is my ego anyways? Why do I have it if it's such a pain? What's the point, right? Well, I think the ego is something that we all create. 
it too is a byproduct, kind of like the appendix. <laughs> it was probably needed at some point to help me understand my senses, but now that I'm an adult, it's sort of a nuisance more than anything. At least that's how I've come to see it. But that doesn't mean that I feel like I need to cut myself open and remove the parts of me that create the ego. What I can do is realize that my ego is the result of me incorrectly perceiving that I am alone. I can then notice the things that are the source of my ego, my senses and my corporeal form, and then realign their functions so I can use them to experience the universe without having to believe that I'm separate. Which brings us to the next section. Merging duality and becoming one. Lao Tzu encourages us to give birth and nurture, to give birth without taking possession, act without appropriation, and rule without domination. I like to think that these things are just different ways of talking about freely giving without any expectation of return. See, if I buy into this false sense of separation I have, I'm always looking to make sure that I'm safe and even well kept. This sense of separation I have is what causes me to expect something in return. My five senses provide input for my brain. My brain analyzes this input and concludes that its surroundings are a certain way. So it's working the way it's supposed to as a biological thing. But there's a part of me that wonders about, thinks about, and tries things out in response to what my brain is telling me. That's my mind or that intangible thing that seems to know what's going on. Now, there's another part, a feeling-sensing part, that is how I experience an innate connection with animals, other people, and the universe. And that is summed up in one cool word, love. While my brain and physiology play a part in this word's manifestations, it comes from a sense of oneness rather than separation. So can we see how this sense of separation from others isn't really accurate? Physically, sure, at least on the macro scale, we seem to be separate entities. But we know now that on the subatomic scale, everything is connected. Quantum physics tells us about this in detail. Our mistake isn't in realizing that we are separate things on the macro scale. Rather, I feel like our mistake is in taking this sense so seriously and buying into it. Because it's the buying into it that causes us to create the ego, which is responsible for all manner of harmful behaviors, both toward ourselves and others. Buying into this false sense of separation causes us to ultimately live in discord rather than harmony with the Tao. And we know where that leads. (laughs) Bad days. (laughs) But that doesn't mean I throw everything away. It just means that I can readjust how my mind perceives what my brain is telling me. I don't have to think my ego is evil and want to destroy it. All I need to do is detach from the importance I place on it and reappropriate my mind's perception of reality into something more holistic. And this is the part where we take that duality we talked about in verse 2 and smush those two parts back together to make a whole, beautiful, and perfect one. So let's notice two things that are seemingly opposite, my senses and my spirit. And let's take a moment to appreciate what they create together. Let's do another thought experiment and consider what's in front of us right now. 
What are your hands feeling? Are there any smells that you perceive? And what about the things that you see, either with your eyes or in your imagination? And how about hearing? Are you experiencing sounds and vibrations, external or even internal to you? And this might be a little gross, but how does your tongue taste right now? <laughs> can, we, can we recognize these sensory inputs and how they sort of work together to create an experience right now? If we can, that's great, because that's what I'd like to call the grounded self. Now let's take a moment to consider our loved ones. Can we hold them in our mind's eye for a moment? Let's notice how we're not just feeling emotions when we think about them. Let's notice how when we consider them, we feel togetherness. We feel connected. Now let's zoom out just a bit and consider that we can have sensory experiences with our loved ones so that we are experiencing the world around us and feeling connected at the same time. Can we take a moment and appreciate this awesome beauty? Becoming aware of these two things simultaneously is how we practice unity, how we have without possessing, and how we act without calling something exclusively ours, feeling connected while sharing our sensory selves with others, and how we lead by example without demanding things from others. No matter where I'm at, I can acknowledge that these two parts of me coexist always and create a third thing or actually just a single thing, which is the existence I am experiencing right now. And I can realize that both my sense of connectedness and sensory experience make me into the perfect expression of a human being. Verse 9 addressed allowing perfection, and this verse tells us why we are perfect when we merge our dual natures into becoming one. So to wrap up my experience with this verse today, in considering the concept of one, I thought about three things. The first one was putting the spirit in alignment and allowing the mind and the body to follow. The second thing I thought about was practicing detachment. And the third one was the idea of merging duality and becoming the one. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of one in this verse today. There are three things that we can do. One, we can become aware of our grounded selves. Two, we can become aware of our higher selves. And three, we can smush them together and fall in love with their unity. We stepped into this exercise a bit in the previous section, and I think we would be well served in exploring it a little deeper. So let's take a breath and consider our grounded selves first. We'll start with those senses again. Ask yourself, what are the sensations I'm experiencing all over my body right now? What is my body feeling? What are the things I'm seeing right now? Am I seeing with my eyes? Am I seeing with my inner picture of things? What are the things I'm hearing right now? Are they external to me or am I sensing vibrations also? Are there any smells around me? Just take a moment to notice that one. And finally, are there any tastes I'm experiencing right now? Can I sense my tongue inside my mouth? Is it tasting anything right now? 
Those are our basic senses. Now let's become aware of other sensations we have. When we breathe in and out, we feel the contraction and expansion of our chest, diaphragm, and even lungs. We might feel gravity gently pressing down on us, and it's an unthreatening kind of feeling, isn't it? Do we sense a connection with the earth somehow? Let's notice the feeling we have about ourselves. Can we just for a moment love ourselves for what and who we are? Perfect expressions of the Tao? Maybe we have gut feelings about things, good or bad. Like, maybe you're going to an event later, or a gathering. Maybe you're feeling this is going to turn out well and you're looking forward to it. Let's take a moment to appreciate how these things feel inside. We are acknowledging and welcoming the sense of our sensory input and our grounded selves right now. Okay, let's become aware of the connection we have with others around us and even the universe. Let's think of our loved ones like we did a little earlier. Just hold them in your mind and appreciate their beauty, their essence, their perfection. It doesn't have to be humans either. They can be your pets. Feel your love for them, emanating outwards and out of your core toward them. Now, let's think about how we express our love for them when we talk with them. Do we tell them we love them or tell them other things with kindness in our hearts? How about when we picture them in our heads again? Can we look beyond their outward appearance and see them as another being just like us? Can we see that they think and feel just like we do? Okay, last step. Let's think about how we all share the same source. Let's think about how we were all born into the world from a mother. How we all opened our eyes for the first time. How we all learned of the new place. (laughs) How we all grew into the humans that we are right now, sharing the same source of life. What we've been doing is we've just been noticing our higher selves, that part of us that is connected to other people and the universe. It feels great, doesn't it? Okay, let's feel even greater. We're going to put those things together. I'd like you to zoom out just a little and realize that you're having both a sensory and spiritual experience right now. That's right. There's not really a need to do anything except notice what's going on right now now. So my senses are there. My grounded feelings are there. My love for others is there. And my sense of connectedness is there. Take a moment to appreciate all of it at once. Allow these pieces to just gently smush together. Can you see how our beings are capable of all of this at the same time? Can you realize how beautiful we are? Can you realize how special and precious we are as humans, as people who can be the perfect and awesome expression of the Tao just by being ourselves? As beings who get to share these experiences with one another, as a human race, and as just biological beings in this wonderful world where we and other forms live together as one. 
So that'll wrap it up today. To consider the principle of one, I can do three things. Number one, I can become aware of my grounded self. Two, I can become aware of my higher self. And three, I can smush them together and then fall in love with their unity. To close out this episode, I will leave you with the final reading of verse 10. In embracing the one with your soul, can you never forsake the Tao? In controlling your vital force to achieve gentleness, can you become like the newborn child? In cleansing and purifying your mystic vision, can you strive after perfection? In loving the people and governing the kingdom, can you rule without interference? In opening and shutting the gate of heaven, can you play the part of the female? In comprehending all knowledge, can you renounce the mind? To give birth, to nourish, to give birth without taking possession, to act without appropriation, to be chief among people without managing them, this is the mystic virtue. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.